Hello, I'm Karen Alvarado, co-artistic director of Thinkery and Verse, and you're listening to Decameron 2020, a storytelling podcast putting Boccaccio's Decameron in conversation with modern pandemic experiences. In the fifth story of the first day, Fiametta tells the story of a beautiful and married noblewoman who uses wit, cunning, and hens to rebuff the not-so-subtle advances from the one-eyed king of France. The tale reported by Dionysus at the first hearing of the ladies began to relish of some immodesty as the bashful blood mounting up in their faces delivered by apparent testimony. And beholding one another with scarce-pleasing looks, during all the time it was in discoursing, no sooner had he concluded. But with a few mild and gentle speeches, they gave him a modest reprehension, and meaning to let him know that such tales ought not to be told among women. Afterward, the queen commanded Madame Fiametta, sitting on a bank of flowers before her, to take her turn as next in order. And she, smiling with such a virgin blush, as very beautifully became her, began in this manner. It is no little joy to me that we understand so well by the discourses already passed. What power consists in the delivery of wise and ready answers? And, because it is a great offense and judgment in men to affect women of such great birth and quality, then themselves as also in admirable foresight in women, to keep off from being surprised in love by lords beyond them in degree. A matter offers itself to my memory, well deserving of my speech, and your attention, our gentlewoman, both in word and deed, should defend her honor in that kind, when importunity strives to betray it. The Marquis of Montferrat was a worthy and valiant knight. He was the captain general for the church, and the service required his company on the seas, in a Christian army against the Turks. One day, in the court of King Philip, who was nicknamed the One-Eyed King, who likewise made preparation in France for a royal assistance to that expedition. As many speeches were delivered concerning the valor and manhood of this Marquis, it just so happened that a knight was present who knew him very well, and he gave an addition to the former commendation, that the whole world contained not a more equal couple in marriage than the Marquis and his lady. For, as among all knights, the Marquis could hardly be paralleled in arms and honor. Even so, his wife, in comparison to all other ladies, was scarcely matchable for beauty and virtue. These words were so heavy in the thoughts of King Philip that suddenly, Having as yet never seen her, he began to desire her very earnestly, concluding to travel to Gênes to set forward on the intended voyage, 
journeying there by land, he would shape some honest excuse to see the Lady Marquis, whose lord, being then away from home, opinion persuaded him over fondly that he should easily obtain the result of his amorous desire. When he was within a day's journey of the Lady Marquis, he sent her word that she should expect his company the next day at dinner. The lady, being singularly wise and judicious, answered the messenger that she reputed the king's coming to her as an extraordinary grace and favor, and that he should be most heartily welcome. Afterward, entering into further consideration with herself, she wondered what the king might mean by this private visitation and no bar to his fuller entertainment. At last, she discreetly concluded, and was not deceived, that the babbling report of her beauty and perfections might have caused the king's coming, for his journey was quite out of the way. Nevertheless, being a princely lady and a loyal wife, she intended to give him her best entertainment, summoning the chiefest gentlemen in the country together to give the king a gracious welcome. But concerning the dinner and diet for service to his table, that remained only at her own disposal. Sending presently abroad and buying all the hens that the country afforded, she commanded her cooks to prepare all the services that they could devise. The next day, the king came according to his promise and was most honorably welcomed by the lady, who seemed in his eye fair beyond the king's speeches of her, the fairest creature that he had ever seen before, at which he marveled greatly, extolling her perfections to be incomparable, which inflamed his affections even more, and, almost, made his desires impatient. The king withdrew into his chambers that were prepared for him, as beseemed so great a prince. As dinner approached, the king and the lady marquis were seated at one table, and his attendants placed at other tables according to their degrees of honor. Plenty of dishes were served, as well as the rarest wines that the country yielded. But the king had more mind for the fair lady marquis than any meat that stood on the table. Nevertheless, Observing each service after the other, he realized that all the items of food, though variously cooked and of diverse kinds, were nothing but hens only. He began to wonder, because he knew the country to be of such quality that it could afford both poultry and meat. Besides, after the time of his coming was heard, they had respite enough both for hawking and hunting, and therefore it increased his marvel even more that nothing was provided for him but hens only. Determined, he turned merrily toward the lady and said, Madam, are hens only bred in this country and no cocks? The lady Marquis, very well understanding his demand, was given an appropriate opportunity to prevent his idle hope and defend her own honor. She boldly returned to the king with this answer. Not so, my lord, but women and wives, 
however different in garments and graces, nevertheless, they are all here, as they are in other places. When the king heard this reply, he knew well enough the occasion of his hen dinner, as well as what virtue lie couched under her answer, perceiving, apparently, that his wanton words would prove but in vain, and such a woman was not easily to be seduced. As he grew enamored on her inconsiderately, so he found it best fitting for his honor to quench this heat with wisdom discreetly. And so, without any more words or further hope of speeding in so unkingly a purpose, dinner ended by a sudden departing. He smoothly shadowed the cause of his coming, and, thanking her for the honor she had done him, commending her to her chaste disposition, and posted away with speed to Jeanne. This story was narrated by Regan Sims. Thank you for listening to this episode of Decameron 2020 by Thinkery and Verse. If you liked what you heard, you can tune into more stories from the Decameron and discussions between our storytellers right here on Buzzsprouts or wherever you download your podcasts. Please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts to help spread the word. For more from Thinkery and Verse, you can check us out on social media at Thinkery ampersand verse on Facebook and thinkery underscore and underscore verse on Instagram or by going to our website, thinkeryandverse.org. Thanks again for listening. Be well.